0: From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox Talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson.
1: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Sox Machine Live. I am Josh Nelson alongside Jim Margulis, as it's very, very late on Thursday, May 26, 2022. As we bring you a new episode, as we also recap, the Chicago White Sox wrapping up their season series and the home series against the Boston Red Sox, which just became a laugher. Uh, two uncompetitive games from the White Sox. They did win one game, three to one, but the other two games, the White Sox allowed 16 runs. In each game and tonight with Dallas Keuchel on the mound did not start off. Well, Josh Harrison pitched uh, in the game and Jim, that's really the takeaway here uh, in this series between the White Sox and Red Sox in Fenway at the beginning of May, the White Sox only allowed five runs to the Red Sox at home in late May the White Sox allowed 33 runs in three games.
2: I remember when we talked about the Red Sox going into the Fenway series and, and looking at their plate discipline and saying, this is weird that they're basically you know, rock bottom. Uh, I think the White Sox were a bit ahead of them at the time in terms of just the quality of plate appearances, on-base percentages, walk rate pitches for plate appearance. And we thought, that's weird. You know, talent they usually have on hand. Usually the Fenway series is really tough. Um, sure enough, we saw him now. <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, to to uh, you know paraphrase Hawk Harrelson, the White Sox were lucky to play the Red Sox when they did the first
1: time around, and they're lucky they're done with them for the season. Yeah, the White Sox do win the season series, by the way. They won four out of six games against the Red Sox, but they swept at Fenway, and they lose two out of three at home. And uh, the White Sox, even though they won four out of six against Boston, so they go four and two, They finished with a negative 15 run differential in six games against the Boston Red Sox. Just because the Red Sox in this series alone, the White Sox scored 13 runs. Yeah, the White Sox got outscored by 20 runs in three games. That's what they Uh, call
2: padding their uh, Pythag. Yeah,
1: Uh, the Pythag 42 run differential for the year. They're 500 now, so. Yeah, they're way overachieving. And I wrote an article about this on SoxMachine.com just looking at, you know, the Pythag records and where the White Sox offense has to be doing the money ball math. What is the goal outcome that the offense needs to pick up the slack in order for this team to win the American League Central? Boy, I mean, when you're at, what did you say, negative 42 runs after 44 games? that's tough to overcome. Yeah. I remember the,
2: uh, you know, the Mariners had that weird thing going last year and they called it fun differential. Uh, (laughs) But there's nothing fun about this one. This is devoid of fun
1: amusement whimsy. Yeah. So let's start with Dallas Keuchel out of the pitchers that got beat up because it, it just wasn't Dallas Keuchel. Dylan Cease also got beat up and we'll talk about, Cease in a moment. But the thing about Keikel, we keep talking about this regarding Dallas Keuchel Jim, is that his job is on the line. Tony LaRusa made it very clear during this series when speaking with the media and Lance Lynn speaking with the media as Lynn will be making his rehab starts and his first rehab appearance is going to be this weekend with the Charlotte Knights and he has a target date. Of June 12th to return to the White Sox and make that start, which would be against his former ball club, the Texas Rangers. So the clock is ticking. And if LaRusse is not going to go with a six man rotation, and if Keiko still wants to pitch for the White Sox and be a starting pitcher, he's got to perform better. And in the, the two innings that he lasts against the Boston Red Sox, yeah, he got some strikeouts, but again, he's living out in the middle of the zone. He's given up big home runs, and his season ERA is now 7.88, and I just feel like his situation has been settled. It will eventually happen, but Dallas Keuchel is for sure going to get DFA'd. Now it's just a matter of when do the White Sox do that, because they have to time it So they can add Lance Lynn back and do it in a way that they're not going to get burned in case Johnny Cueto or Lynn himself gets hurt again. Uh, And then they're going to need Keiko just to eat innings. But I I guess he's going to make one more start, Jim, against Tampa Bay because the way that the calendar works out, somebody has to. I mean, it's either him or Davis Martin. I mean, who would you rather see start for the White Sox between now and when Lance Lynn returns? I would think Davis Martin, we talked about it before when it came to, you
2: know, Keuchel and whether the White Sox would try to go through the, um, you know, I guess the, uh, the motions of a phantom injured list stint to where maybe they try to keep him around just in the event that Lynn's timetable is delayed or Jimmy Lambert doesn't get better. Or, you know, that was before Davis Martin really emerged as an option. So that's a case where, you know, now that Martin maybe alleviates the need for that, but that's really where we're at, um, you know, to, to quote George Gershwin, you know, Keichel's got plenty of nothing, you know, that's, that's what he's dealing with right now. Just uh, nothing's working for him. Um, I should say he's got nothing and and nothing is not working for him. <laughs> so to, uh, to untangle those negatives, it's uh yeah, it, it's pretty. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about with the is I see a lot of the fan Reaction when Kegel pitches poorly, and just kind of uh, you know resurfacing his quotes about what he's taught the White Sox about winning, and in everything that's gone mm-hmm. wrong for him, and just uh, you know and, and how various you know, bad luck and defenses have failed him, and and so on and so forth. And I'm really curious, like how he is uh, responded to in the clubhouse, just because you know the White Sox seem to you know get along pretty well. So, you know, maybe just one, if they don't like Keiko, maybe they get along with Keiko just fine and he's just annoying you know, through the media, but they don't really care about that. But, you know, if he is the, you know, just rubs people the wrong way with just kind of this denial that he's in about just how, you know, he's, he's approaching the end of the line. You know, I wonder if just what the re, the reception will be, if we'll hear anything, um, you know, one way or the other, just because, there is a, a strange dynamic between how little fans like him. Like, yeah, I'm thinking about John Danks when you know, Danks had a similar career arc, and uh, you know, his approach to the decline was a lot swifter. But people generally like John Danks, like, you know, they they didn't like watching him pitch, but they generally felt bad for him, or um, they, they said, like, well, it's you, know, it hasn't been the same since the shoulder injury, really unfortunate that that had to happen. Just there was, there was. Sympathy with Danks and, and just, you know, just more of an acknowledgement of father time here. There's just, even though Davis Martin isn't proven and could be just as bad as Dallas Keiko given a couple turns around the league, or at least, you know, even just you know, a couple more games of footage. There's just no, uh, <laughs> there's no quarter for him among the White Sox fans. And uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'd like to see him DFA just a. Resolve this mystery of whether people like him or not inside the clubhouse, inside the organization.
1: Yeah, I, I'm checking my phone to see if there's any postgame comments or if everyone has decided because it's so late in the night. Forget it. Uh, everyone go home. We'll, we'll talk to you Saturday before the White Sox and Cubs game. Everybody enjoy your Friday off, which is the rare Friday off during the Major League Baseball schedule for all teams or at least for the White Sox. And Cubs this season. Uh, No quotes yet. And I'm not even sure what kind of quotes you would get from Dallas Keuchel. In regards to his first two innings. I'm with you. I, I think I'd rather see Davis Martin make these starts. Just because you could. A couple of reasons. One, you can learn a little bit more about Davis Martin. And see if he is someone that you can lean on during the season. Two, if he were to pitch well against, let's say, the Tampa Bay Rays. Maybe if this team is competitive again or in a position where they could overtake the Minnesota Twins in the American League Central Gym and Rick Khan needs to make another deal before the trade deadline, you have someone that has been has at least two proven starts in the major leagues that a rebuilding team would be, you know, worthwhile for them to acquire in such a deal for the White Sox to improve their current roster. Again, the White Sox have the worst farm system in baseball. A lot of teams are not very high on the White Sox prospects, but they're going to need someone to trade uh, within their farm system to step up and impress other teams. And maybe giving Davis Martin another opportunity can do that for Rickon, while also putting in a pitcher that will make the team more competitive. Because in the last couple of starts against the Yankees and the Red Sox, he dug the White Sox such a significant hole that it's almost impossible for this offense to climb back out of it. And especially tonight, things just got embarrassingly bad for the White Sox. So we both agree Keuchel probably should be done, but we'll see if he does make one more start for the White Sox. If he does, it's probably looking at that early June weekend as the White Sox travel to Tampa Bay to face the Rays dylan cease also got beat up and that's where it was shocking and ceases season era has now ballooned to 4.24 on the season in his post game comments it was suggested by the press that dylan cease may be tipping his pitches and that's why the red Sox hit him so hard for three innings are you buying that jim or is there something else going on with dylan cease
2: I'm maybe buying it or just, you know, we, we talked about it before um, when, when trying to figure out the rotation and, and whether Kopech would be able to come back from paternity leave to give Cease an extra day. And you know, I mentioned that he was working hard his previous few starts and saying that it would be nice to get him you know, a couple of days off just to, see if it, there's a little bit of mid-season fatigue and he could use the breather. And then the Red Sox uh, laid waste to that idea. But I do wonder, you know, given how he was laboring a little bit against you know lesser opponents that maybe, um, you know, he was putting something on tape. That's just, you know, was, you know, start after start um, teams were picking up on more and more to where like a, a hot Boston offense is the one to, to unlock it and seize uh, sees it the way that they did with Lucas Giolito back during the, uh, the Patriots Day massacre, uh, last year. Um, that, that's really why I can buy it circumstantially, but, um, you know, that's something that I think Yasmani Grandal prides himself on figuring out is tipping and, and he's worked well as he's before. So you hope that there's something there, uh, if there is indeed, you know, more than excuse, but I, I think, you know, that might be a little bit of, you know, since I would say that the media brought it up, you know, it's worth investigating, especially during a start like that, you know, it, it's worth not denying it. And you may as well take a look if you're that surprised by what kind of reactions your pitches were getting. But since he didn't bring it up, I'm inclined to take his reaction as general, uh, genuine, I should say. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, facing slightly cooler offenses that you know, he'll be able to get back on track.
1: Now, Rick Hahn spoke to the media before this series and the plan is for the White Sox is to give extra days off for Michael Kopech because they didn't think it was a coincidence that with the extra rest that Kopech looked as sharp as he did Sunday night on ESPN against the New York Yankees where he had a perfect game going through more than half of the game and was just lights out again against the New York Yankees. So Dylan Cease is going to make two starts. In between Kopech starts, should the White Sox reconsider this strategy and maybe give Dylan Cease some extra time off? Because he's the one that's going every fifth day now, and we've already seen Lucas Giolito miss time because of injury Kopech's given. He's, he's going to be given off days and extended rest between starts. So it really seems like the White Sox are going to really ride Dylan Cease out of this entire starting rotation. He did show the ability to hold up last
2: year under, you know, starting every, every fifth day, more or less. So, you know, there's no, I think, obvious reason to withhold him. I just was going more off the results and how hard he was working, you know, during the innings. But, you know, if if Han is looking at the results and saying Kopech looked refreshed and uh, his, his fastball life and velocity was really back after that little bit of extra rest, You know, he might look at Cease and say like, well, he was lousy after extra. So put him back on the regular schedule uh, if you're going to be that reductive about it. But uh, if he feels good and if he feels like, you know, um, he knows or or has some idea of what he was doing wrong or whether it's just a matter of like, getting on the side of a slider, not getting the kind of late break he usually gets or something like that. You know, it could be a case where he just wants to get back on the horse and, and put the start behind him. And that's fine too. I mean, they have some off days to play with. It's a weird schedule, um, some weird breaks here. So if he can start while giving Kopech that extra rest, because, you know, I do, do agree with Han that Kopech probably needs to be, uh, you know, this was, I think the first warning sign, his previous starts, um, you know, where he is throwing, 95, 94, 93, 92, like that's probably a warning sign of like, okay, back off a little bit. He's redlining when it comes to just the workload uh, and then and then try to build him back up. I think Cease really hasn't hit that in terms of life. It's more location. So you, I'm hoping this is the case where, yeah, it's just a rough start. He was showing something to a Red Sox offense that is really good at sussing it out. And uh, w- one more start should uh, put those concerns behind him.
1: Now, Lucas Giolito, amazingly, did not suffer the same fate as Dylan Caesar Dallas Keuchel. He only allowed one run through six innings. And the thing that I noticed in Giolito's start Jim, is that he did not lean so much on his four-seam fastball. He threw that the most out of his arsenal, but only 43% of the pitches for Giolito were four-seamers. He threw 32% sliders and then the changeup 25%. And the changeup usage was very noticeable, especially against right-handed Boston Red Sox hitters. And you know, we go back to the whiff ratio. Uh, 13 sl- swings against Gilito slider in his start, and the Red Sox whiffed nine times. It was a very effective pitch for Lucas Giolito, really leaning on his second or even third pitch other than the four seamer where the slider had a called strike whiff percentage of 41 percent that's elite his changeup had a 36 percent called strike whiff rate that's very good is that something that dylan C sh- should maybe take the advice of lucas giolito is that when you get roughed up in the first inning like he did against the boston red sox that you have to change the game plan halfway through or in the very next inning and instead of being so reliant on the four-seamer that you should lean more on your slider and change-up because the Red Sox were really dialed in on the fastball. I think
2: that's one of the differences between, or I should say one of the things that separated Giolito from Cease and, and, and his ability to establish this kind of success that Cease hasn't quite been able to match is that I think Cease has really the slider to go to, and that's about it. It's like he's got the change-up is... Okay, but it's really a novelty. I mean, kind of he throws it nearly 20 miles per hour, slower than his fastball. We saw that with Rich Hill a little bit throwing those curveballs slow, slower, slowest, and then Jake Berger taking them deep for the three-run homer. That you know, I, I think there's limited uh, amount of opportunities to throw that pitch and feel like you're getting away with it. Uh, and, and then eventually, as they start seeing it more, they start picking up the physical cues that allow him to throw it 20 miles per hour slower. So I think he really has the slider and the fastball to toggle between. And he threw those pitches uh, interchangeably or the same amount. And he got the same amount of whiffs too, 5 out of 27. Actually, exact uh, same uh, data, Uh, 27 sliders, 27 fastballs, 17 swings, 5 whiffs apiece for each pitch. So I I think neither was really doing it for him. And unlike uh, Giolito, Giolito has the changeup to always go to, to throw it in Mm -hmm. weird counts when he wants to. Cease does not have that pitch. The knuckle curve is kind of there, but also kind of not. Like Trevor Story took that pitch deep. It's uh it's another pitch that I think you know the slider has replaced. So uh, you know, it, it works for a change of scenery or maybe for a different break against like a left-handed bat, maybe, but for a swing and miss pitch diving away from a righty, uh, he can't use the changeup the way that Giolito does, or maybe he doesn't feel as comfortable doing that and for good reason. So that might be the thing that differentiates them and allows Giolito to maybe be a little bit, uh, I guess, more durable for a third time through, uh, yeah, I'm talking about like in start durability and like, you know, over the course of a season, uh, the kind of, uh, sustained effectiveness that allows him to finish in the top 10 in Cy Young voting. Whereas CC, you know, just might have these outings to where like, uh, plan A isn't working. Plan B isn't there. Uh, hopefully you can get just, you know, Back to the dugout to to solve something before you go out there the next time
1: that's a good point jim that that's a good point as far as pitch arsenals and with giolito let's be honest maybe a little luck was on his side the first four innings the red sox had multiple base runners on so that one run that he allowed in six innings could have been a lot more uh if boston was able to find that one extra hit especially in innings Two through four, and really could have roughed up Lucas Gilito. But Gilito did a good job to get out of those jams and then finally found his rhythm in the fifth and sixth innings when he went one, two, three to finish really strong and put the White Sox in position to win. It was the only game that the White Sox won in this series, and they're back to 500. At 22-22 on the season, luckily for the White Sox, they have gotten some help within the, within the division. The Tigers yesterday beat the Minnesota Twins late, and tonight the Royals came back to beat the Minnesota Twins, so the White Sox have not lost any ground in the American League Central. So it's time to talk about the White Sox offense. They scored 13 runs in these three games. That's not bad. Seven of them are in a 16-7 loss, so that's not as impressive when you look at it from that aspect. And James Feegan of The Athletics spoke to Frank Mendicino, the Chicago White Sox hitting coach. And there was one particular quote that I found interesting, Jim. And Frank Mendicino said, quote, They are fighting to get their numbers up when speaking about the White Sox hitters and their struggles. That was the biggest thing I've seen this year is guys starting off slow and now they're trying to get back. I'm trying to get a hit every at bat to get my average up. I'm trying to get the situation done every time. I've got like a perfect storm because I don't remember ever being in a situation like this as a hitting coach, to be honest with you. Getting guys to calm down and stay focused It's a day-by-day thing for me. And again, that's Frank Medicino of the White Sox hitting coach speaking to James Fegan of The Athletic. And reading that article, Jim, getting Frank Medicino's thoughts about the White Sox offensive struggles and what they're trying to do right now to overcome these struggles and, and get back on track, it sounds like it's just not the young guys like Gavin Sheets, for example, really you know, hitting his head against the wall and wondering what in the world am I doing wrong and how do I get back on track that it sounds like it's the veterans now that are getting very frustrated. And, and we've seen that and we've been frustrated with the way that Yasmani Grandal is hitting, the way that AJ Pollock's been hitting for the season and Jose Abreu, even though he's been performing better as of late, uh, his season numbers are way, way down. Uh, is this a, a good thing to see from the hitting coach to speak about the troubles that uh, the, this team is going through or at least their mentality. And are you seeing signs of possible breakouts?
2: It's not a satisfying answer, but I, I'm trying to think of what would be a satisfying answer because I don't think incumbent hitting coach is going to say like, well, I have the keys for everybody's swing or at least, you know, four guys swings and they're going to be turning the corner next week. You're not going to hear that. So, you know, unless it's, I think, you know, a matter of a guy coming back from an injury like AJ Pollock was before the series, like he looked like he was on the verge of a breakout and then stalled. Um, Andrew Vaughn uh, coming out of his injury with hit by pitch seems like he came through with a couple big hits, got some of that rhythm back, got some of that, um, you know, impact contact back, you know, the right field and the left center. So that was nice to see Um right now it's I think a bit of whack-a-mole just because we've talked about Tim Anderson you know he's been automatic Mm -hmm. and you know Luis Robert for good chunks of the season has been running along with him he's had some bad series here or there but he's been uh you know there but now he gets COVID so you have Jose Abreu breaking out uh but then Robert disappears so there's a gap there and Yohan Makata came back and then he um you know his his approach is kind of eroded, and then he had, um, you know, Andrew Vaughn breaking out early, and then getting hit by the pitch. And now he's back, and it's just you know, they're trying to find, I think, just a contiguous lineup of hot hitters. I think to provide crooked numbers, to provide, you know, the way I'm I'm channeling Menakino's quote is just thinking like the just you know provide some crooked numbers so that you know you look at the scoreboard and don't think like, well, crap, it's my turn to have to do something here mm-hmm. with my at bat, or else like it just you know. It, Josh is going to have to keep riding the Peloton again uh, for another 20 something miles. Uh, Cause I think that's there, that's really weighing on them. So I'm hoping that, you know, I think good. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I think with La Russa, you know, putting Vaughn in the second spot, I like that. It'd be cool if he stuck with that. Like, I, th- I think, you know, he's been so fluid with his lineups. That's been, you know, we don't know whether he's going to stick with something that worked, but I'm hoping it's Anderson Vaughn, Abreu, like, would be fine third, and then, like, see what happens. Like, sequence your good hitters together. They've had some luck with the bottom of the order. Like, Adam Angle had some game, uh, had a good game. Reese McGuire had a game. Like, Josh Harrison had a couple hits the bottom of the order just to set something up for Tim Anderson. But I think, you know, really it's, uh, you know, Anderson, Vaughn, Abreu, the top three or four, you know, if you can fit somebody else in there. And then, hopefully, you know, just you sequence those guys enough to provide you know, a couple runs here, a couple runs there. Um, just uh, you know, hopefully get somebody else unlocked. But I don't think there's a satisfying answer a hitting coach can give, which is why hitting coaches I think are largely interchangeable outside of like a, you know, a few. I think, you know, when it comes to hitting, I think it's more of a system thing. It's more of an off-season uh spring training, you know, uh, minor league thing than I think a major league uh impact for hitting
1: coaches. The White Sox have like an offensive desert in their lineup. Because as you were going on the list, I'm with you, Jim. For this Cubs series, with Luis Robert not being available, it should be Tim Anderson, it should be Andrew Vaughn, it should be Jose Abreu. And if you continue having Adam Engel and Lurie Garcia or Josh Harrison bat 8th or ninth, or even having Reese McGuire there, You are right. They have been surprising in the last couple of games, getting themselves on base for an opportunity like Tim Anderson to keep the offense going. But as soon as it hits that cleanup spot, like four through seven, that's your desert. And the White Sox are just not getting anything in the middle of their order. And again, it's plate discipline. Even in this blowout loss, they didn't walk until the eighth inning. And I'm not sure if you're watching, are you watching the NBC Sports Chicago feeds from your house? I am. Uh, sorry, uh, got a Dallas Keichel
2: quote in. What did he say? From Vinny Duber. Uh, tweet, uh, this is Vinny's uh, uh, preface saying, Dallas Keuchel, never shy about blunt assessments, said he's not worried about his spot in the White Sox rotation. Uh, quote, if I don't do my job, I'm the first to admit we've got other options, but I've afforded myself some leeway and I'm in no way, shape or form out of this thing. End quote.
1: What leeway? I don't know. He's delusional. (laughs) No, seriously, Jim, this is someone that truly does not understand the position that he has put himself in. Yeah, it's a,
2: it's a, it's a kid. You know, I wrote about before saying like, yeah, I think, you know, when you throw 87, 88, you have to be a bit delusional. Uh, because if you say like, oh no, I got nothing, then the you know, then your wily e. coyote realizing that you're um you know, two hundred feet off the cliff and you look below you and there's nothing there, and then you drop. So I think there's a little bit of that, but yeah, Keichel's got a seven eighty eight ERA. I
1: I'm dumbfounded. That is someone who does not understand, truly understand the position that they're in.
2: Yeah. So we got a quote from, or I got a a comment from uh, Shane in the comments saying like, unless that's what he's being told, like uh, um, being, you know, Tony La Russa saying that, you know, you're you're getting a couple more turns. And if so, then I guess that's the case where, you know, he does need to maintain that kind of confidence or edge, even if it borders on (laughs) delusion. But yeah, if that's his own assessment, um, yeah, just, it's, It's tricky just because there's no way for, you know, he can't really say he's done, but there is a middle ground between like, you know, uh, I've afforded myself some leeway, just Today he got lit up. He, he gave a couple of homers like he, uh, you know, the defense did not fail him the way they did in that. Uh, it was a Cleveland outing, right? Where they, they committed four errors and two innings. Yeah. yeah. So that was like a case where, yeah, if he said like, you know, I afford myself some leeway and, and he's kind of just, you know, kind of pointing to other people saying, you know, look over there. Uh, I, I think that's the case where, yeah, that, that kind of quote would be sufficient, but the defense has shored up. He's not giving the defense anything to work with. So. Yep. It's, but I mean, this is the case where, like, you know, maybe the White Sox, you know, clubhouse doesn't care about these quotes, and and they're hearing something different, and and then the pitching meetings are hearing something different. But yeah, just it's uh, it's indigestible for White Sox fans.
1: I don't even know what to make of that, honestly. Like, it's one thing if Tony La Russa says that Keuchel is going to get another start in Tampa. Okay, he has verified what we are all thinking, but we are thinking. Mid-June, like what happens when Lance Lynn returns? And if Johnny Cueto continues to throw as well as he has, and he's healthy, Tony, you've said you're not going to have a six-man rotation. I count five starters now with Lance Lynn returning. What do you do with Dallas Keuchel? That's not a Tony the Rusa decision. That is now a Rick Hahn decision of where Keuchel resides in the 26-man roster. That's where we are. And with the way that Keuchel is saying that, you know, I have deserved leeway, man, 2020 baseball terms, I guess is not that long ago, but we haven't seen a dominant stretch of starts for a couple of years from Dallas Keuchel. And when the White Sox needed you the most in game two of that postseason in Oakland, you failed. So I don't understand where he is coming from that he's afforded this leeway. Scott Boris needs to get on the phone and talk to his client and just be very honest with him that there's a good chance you're going to be a free agent come June. Like in the middle of June, you're going to be out in the market and we may need to go through our options and what team that you may want to sign with because you're probably not going to be on the White Sox. And that's the honest truth. But. Boy, I just – usually I take his quotes in a different way. You know, Some people want to suggest a tone like the last time when he talked about I really wanted to pitch the sixth inning that people kind of – they were trying to twist it in a way that every starting pitcher wants to go six innings and that's just someone that has that edge and that attitude that he never wants to give up the ball. No, I did not take it that way because if he said, hey – I pitched well enough to put the team in a position to win. I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I felt like I could go one more inning, but I'm really happy with my performance. After five innings, we were in a position to win, and we won tonight. We did not hear anything from Keuchel in regards to that angle. He's more concerned about innings because the elephant in the room is his vesting option. He knows his innings are being manipulated. We know his innings are being manipulated like (laughs) it's it's a case where just like no there he's he's gonna come nowhere close to vesting no he's not and right and because he's not pitching well enough but in his mind he his innings are being manipulated and they should be because the white Sox don't want dallas on a team in 2023 yeah i okay dallas all right man all right well we'll see if you make another start but Oh, I don't even have it. You were
2: were asking if I had the NBC Sports Chicago feed. Sorry. So.
1: Oh, yeah. Because I was going to make a joke about the Felco ad. Uh, Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Because Felco
1: pays for walks.
2: Do (laughs) they sponsor that? Like, is that a case where they pay, like, based on how many times their name is mentioned? Or do do they pay a flat fee for the entire
1: season? I, I don't even know, to be honest if with you. So, that, that's a good like, that's a,
2: like if it's a per you know walk basis, like that's actually pretty smart because when they do draw a walk, they get like a lot more play because Jason <laughs> and Steve, talk about like, oh, here's Feldco. Like, you know, like the, here's a, you know, it's not just a, you know, the, the double warranty or anything like that. It's just more a matter of like, it's, it comes up so infrequently that they draw it out a little bit more. So I think like that, that's actually pretty brilliant. I think if you, like we should sponsor like we should look into that next year. If we look at the same lineup and say the Sox Machine sponsors walks, like we could probably afford that if it's per <laughs> walk. <laughs> like maybe I don't know.
1: I'm you know, 40 more Patreon supporters. We could get there. How about wild pitch runs? So wild pitch offense brought to you by Sox Machine. Yes, that happens what eight times a year. That yeah. I know we can afford. Okay. I don't know about walks, but you you may you bring up a good point. The white the White Sox walk so few times in a game that it can't be that expensive. If it's a if it's by a per walk uh, ad payout, uh, but if it's not, Felco's getting ripped off. That's why I was asking. Uh, <laughs> sponsor leadoff triples from Andre as he posts in the comments section. That's not a bad idea either. Uh, we'll work on it. We'll work on it with NBC Sports Chicago. For next season. But the Chicago White Sox after this really bad series loss to the Boston Red Sox. Again they are still at 500. They are 22 and 22 as they move on. And they'll have the day off on Friday. And then play Saturday night on Fox. So that's a national broadcast against the Chicago Cubs. And Sunday afternoon which they have Memorial Day off. So we'll be previewing that upcoming series between the White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. But first... A PSA of sorts from us at Sox Machine, the hashtag 108 Road Takeover in Minneapolis is set for Saturday, July 16th after last year's mega tailgate party in Milwaukee in which Jim came up and we had 200 people planned on attending and it turned out to be more than 400. From the 108 and Sox Machine are looking forward to hosting White Sox fans for a pregame party at the North Loop Galley in Minneapolis as the bar is located just eight minutes away from Target Field and you can visit their website at northloopgalley.org. We can't have 400 people in the bar. We have to limit the amount of people because of capacity reasons. However, the cost is just $30 per person. And includes three beer tickets, including a draft list of some Chicago breweries like Revolution and Half Acre, plus some Twin City staples like surly Summit, and Inbound Brew Company. There's gonna be more than 20 beers on tap that you can use your beer tickets for, so there's sure to be a tasty beer or cider of your choice to sip on while hanging out with other White Sox fans and enjoying that hashtag 108 lifestyle. The takeover party starts at 1030 in the morning Central Time and lasts until 1 p.m. Central Time with the first pitch on that Saturday, July 16th game between the White Sox and Twins at 110 p.m. Central Time. You must be 21 or older to attend. And if you would like to attend, you could purchase tickets on SoxMachine.com as we have already sold more than half our allotments. We have about 70 tickets left to go. So again, if you are going to be in Minneapolis for that day, and you want to join us for the pregame party, make sure you buy your tickets on SoxMachine.com.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Okay, two more two more things before we get back into it. Another Keiko quote for, through uh, Vinnie Duber. If people want to write me off, that's okay. I've been written off before. I'm a competitor. I'm an athlete, and we'll turn the tide. We'll be talking differently soon. So, will we? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that's you know, like the first part of the, uh, the yeah, like there's there's always something like that. Yeah, you know, I read that first you know paragraph. We'll turn the tide. Like, okay, that was that was fine. Like. And then there's just that extra, like, <laughs> Just he Just a little bit of pinch of uh, uh, insufferable. I, I think it just uh, always turns people off. But, uh, oh, the other thing was, you know, I was thinking about Andre saying we sponsor leadoff triples. Is there a way that we could sponsor, like, the White Sox stranding a runner on third with fewer than two outs? Maybe. Like, Again, maybe I think anything's score, for sale. <laughs> Just like, I mean, they, they read ads for everything, but just, I wonder like, you know, what, what the going right would be like. Oh, the white Sox had a runner in scoring position couldn't drive them in. That's brought to you by Sox Machine. That would be my brand for us. <laughs> 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 oh. Too stranded. That's uh, you know, go to soxmachine.com machine.com to, to, uh, to gripe about this.
1: <laughs> We're coming up with great ideas. We'll have to sit down and talk to the, uh, the ad team at NBC sports Chicago about, these wonderful possibilities. All right. White Sox Cubs part two. The Chicago White Sox went to Wrigley Field at the beginning of the month and they won both games against the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago Cubs are now visiting Guarantee Rate Field. The White Sox have already won the Crosstown Cup. As a matter of fact, they are going to be presenting the cup before the game and uh, s- I guess celebrating the White Sox success in winning another Crosstown Cup. Woo. Uh, The Chicago Cubs are 18-26 in the season. They're fourth place in the National League Central. They're already 10 games back of the Milwaukee Brewers. They lost the last two games against the Cincinnati Reds, and they lost 20-5 against the Cincinnati Reds on the same day that the White Sox got blown out 16-7. So neither team is covering themselves in glory. The thing about the Cubs is that they're only five games ahead of the Reds and the standings. Now, you may say, well, five games is a lot, but the fact that the Reds are just five games back of the Cubs, especially with how poorly they started this season, uh, I would be sweating a little bit if I were a Cubs fan, wondering if the Reds are going to catch you in the standings, and maybe that's worthwhile. The Chicago Cubs are trying to prove their odds in the Major League Baseball Draft Lottery for next year. Your pitching problems for this series on Saturday, that nationally televised game at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. It'll be Len Casper and A.J. Brzezinski, by the way, calling that game on Fox. Keegan Thompson will be making the start for the Chicago Cubs against Johnny Cueto for the White Sox. And on Sunday at 1.10 p.m. Central Time, an interesting pitching probable here. Marcus Stroman will make the start for the Chicago Cubs against Dylan Cease. And we know how much Dylan Cease loves to face the Chicago Cubs. The first question I have for you, Jim, as I laid it out about the Chicago Cubs and where they are now at the season compared to how they started the season and the last time these two teams met that there was still some fringe hope that the Chicago Cubs could surprise and play better baseball than many expected, uh, especially with, say, Suzuki starting so strong for the Chicago Cubs. But obviously they're in a terrible situation right now. Uh, the Cubs and White Sox are no strangers making midseason trades, especially the last five years. Is there anyone when you are watching the Cubs that you would say, you know what? The White Sox should target this guy. I can't really say I'm watching the Cubs. <laughs> Okay, it's a good really, start. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot there, but
2: no, just you know, after last year's trade with Kimbrel and just uh, the way that when Tapero is fine, but just you know, there could be a you know Rick Ricani, there could be a bullpen guy who shakes loose like a David Robertson type or something. That, yeah, that uh, becomes available, but otherwise, like yeah, I mean, had the uh, you know Johnny Cueto not uh, you know look like a guy who can hold down a rotation spot, even if it's like fourth or fifth, like that could be a case where well, maybe like, you know, there's a starter here who can maybe uh, give the White Sox something, but no, I'm not really seeing anybody who jumps out aside from you know, Robertson looks like the obvious trade candidate, but just the way that that went last time and just Robertson's age and such and the ability you know, that my confidence in him maintaining his stuff through a whole season, I would mostly say pass.
1: Yeah, Strowman's not even pitching well for the Cubs this season. And I'm looking at Ian Happ. So he's got, arbit- he's got one more year of arbitration, and he's a free agent after the 2023 season. Would Ian Happ be of any interest to you? Uh, kinda. I mean,
2: like, uh, his coffee's not bad. I got his lockout blend uh, when that was a thing. <laughs> Just to try it. So... <laughs> Uh i think he'd coffee. be like the first player since alex rios who had an interest in coffee roasting <laughs> like wade miley i think would be like uh you know that kind of guy who like when the cubs acquired him for nothing from the reds i thought oh that's kind of a missed opportunity um but yeah position player wise not really seeing yeah haps fine but it's just more a matter of um he's been up and down and and uh just a little bit, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not exactly sure where he plays to where, you know, I guess, you know, if he can handle, um, you know, ideally be great if he can handle second, although it looks like he hasn't played there much recently, Mm-mm. kind of rotates in and out. So, it would, you know, they could make it work just more a matter of like, just not quite a natural fit, I would say, but could make it work.
1: He's been playing mostly left field. I just look at the aspect of he's a switch hitter. White Sox need more left-handed bats. They need someone to help out against right-handed pitching. You're right. I mean, looking up and down the list of the roster for the Chicago Cubs, he would be the only one of interest from a White Sox perspective that I think could help the team this year. I'm just raising the point for discussion's sake. Because we have seen the White Sox and Cubs make some pretty significant mid-season trades. Uh, especially the last five years, obviously the Jose Quintana trade and the Craig Kimbrell trade. Uh, And I think Nick Madrigal is going through a rehab stint right now in Iowa for the Chicago Cubs. So I'm not even sure if Nick Madrigal is going to be with the Cubs this weekend against the White Sox. That'll be Madrigal's first return games against the White Sox at Guarantee Rate Field. It would be interesting to see on how the crowd would react when Nick Madrigal would get introduced uh, in that at bat. I'm sure there'll be some smattering of cheers and boos uh, in the stands, but we'll see what the atmosphere is like. I'll be there Saturday night. That's the only game I'll be attending. I've got a birthday party to go to on Sunday, so I will not be in the crowd for that game. We'll see on how the crowd is because, again, neither team is playing very good baseball right now. Uh, so there's just not a there's not a lot of excitement in Chicago leading up to these games, and I feel like the crosstown classic is kind of fizzling out here, Jim. Like, I, if both teams were really good and they were the best teams in each in each league in the respective leagues, then yeah, there would be a lot more buzz. But in the last few years, it just doesn't have the same excitement as these matchups had, I would say, ten years ago.
2: Yeah, I think at least one team has to be good because then at least the other team has the motivation to try to um, stall their progress. I'm trying to think what year it was. It was one of the Zambrano years where the Cubs came in hot, the White Sox swept them, and then the Cubs unraveled. I'm trying to think what year that was. Um, But that's the kind of case where, like, you really savor those. If you have nothing else to play for, it's something to play for. But when both teams are struggling and both teams are, you know, there's nothing really to brag about, and you know, as if you're in the stands, uh, trying to rub it in and just be you, you, your heart's not in it. <laughs> it. It's, you know, a lot of White Sox fans, I think, don't like this team. So you're mostly arguing for yeah you know, the uniform or the neighborhood. And that just doesn't have the same as like, I'm really invested in these players and this team and this, just the way it's being run right now. That, I think that's what's lacking. So I guess, you know, Shane mentioned the comments like the Reds Cubs field of dreams game. Uh, I when, I when I saw the game come out when they announced it, I thought, you know, why? Like Reds, right. Cubs, we that. Get, yeah, we, we we talked about just saying, like, you know, Yankees, White Sox makes sense, uh, White Sox, Cardinals made sense just when it came, you know, when it was originally planned and just the quality of teams, you know, where they're supposed to be in terms of their sense and the rebuild. But like when it came to the Cubs and Reds, like at the time, we didn't know the Reds were going to be tearing it down. But right. even then, nobody wanted it. So yeah, it's it, it's uh, that's going to be a mess. I mean, I think I'll watch it a little bit just to see um, if it if it's the same, if it captures the same magic despite them, you know, the the, the level of teams being a major drop off. But there's no real reason to tune in otherwise.
1: No. When is that game going to be? I'm guessing August again. Let me see. Oh gosh. Both teams are going to be gutted after the trade deadline. (laughs) Send out the AAA teams. They're going to overproduce that game, Fox. Well, I feel bad for them. Yep, they're definitely going to be gutted after the trade deadline on August 2nd. So good luck, Fox, promoting that game. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. We'll have the Sox Machine podcast again for you guys. Monday morning Memorial Day, so as you wake up and hopefully you have the day off, you can listen to us while sipping on your coffee as we recap that series between the White Sox and Cubs and preview the upcoming series as the Chicago White Sox will have another off day on Monday before they have to head north of the border and visit the Toronto Blue Jays. And then we get to have the conversation of which White Sox players are vaccinated against COVID because you still have to be vaccinated to travel into canada and play professional sports in canada uh, so that'll be a fun discussion to have but i really appreciate everyone that stayed up maybe that's why Keiko thinks he can make a start oh well, maybe uh i appreciate everyone that stayed up after the debacle that was tonight's white Sox red sox game that watched the live stream on our YouTube page at YouTube.com slash Machine. If this is your first time watching Sox Machine Live on the live stream and you are not subscribed to the Socks Machine uh, YouTube channel, you can do so at YouTube.com slash Machine. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Socks Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. If you're not able to watch the live stream of Socks Machine Live, no worries. The audio is taken and uploaded into the podcast feed which you can subscribe to the Socks Machine podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and if you're a first-time supporter or a follower of Socks Machine, or a longtime lurker of Socks Machine, and you are not supporting us on Patreon, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash/SocksMachine, where we have several different tiers of support. The monthly plans start at just two dollars a month, and you save with an annual subscription. Plenty of benefits to go around. Again, you can visit patreon.com/socksmachine to learn more. Socks Machine Live is a production of socksmachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.